The Democrat presidential field continues to grow. There are now approximately 320 Democrats who are not running in 2020, though 170 of those have formed exploratory committees and the rest are unborn children and not expected to survive. So far, the front runners are Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, a transgender schizophrenic who self-identifies as both members of the couple who sold our nuclear secrets to the Soviets, and psychopathic abortion doctor Kermit Gosnell, whose campaign slogan is, other Democrats vote for infanticide, but I've actually been convicted. Other top candidates include Minnesota Senator and Virago Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar is running as a moderate because she feels the Green New Deal would cripple American freedom and prosperity within 10 years, where she'd like to wait 15. Klobuchar has been accused of treating her staff unkindly, but she says this is just sexism. In a speech delivered in a shrill, screeching voice to a cowering underling, Klobuchar said, quote, if a man demands excellence from his workers, he's considered strong. But if a woman hits her assistant in ahead with an ashtray because she put two sugars in her coffee instead of one, she's considered a witch. Now fetch me a salad before I rip out your esophagus, unquote. One potential candidate who hasn't made up his mind yet is former Vice President Joe Biden. In an interview with a potted plant he mistook for Joyce Behar, Biden said, quote, I think what the American people are looking for is a 78-year-old chief executive who's as stupid as a brick. The working folks of this country know I'm just an ordinary guy except dumber and maybe a little more dishonest, unquote. Democrat Party Chairman Joseph Stalin, no relation, says the party must ultimately unite under the banner of defeating Donald Trump because, quote, Trump is a horrible human being who has brought this country nothing but full employment and world peace. Actually, that banner may need a little work, unquote. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky dunky doo Ship shaped, dipsy topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! All right, let's talk about socialism. Socialism is all the rage. Socialism is popular because capitalism works. When politicians like Bernie Sanders and pundits like Bill Maher say that Americans like socialism, they're right. The American people like getting free things, things that other people pay for, because the American people are people, and all people like free stuff. Americans also like opioids and having sex with strangers. We all like a lot of things that aren't good for us. But what makes socialism so attractive right now is that capitalism has already done so much of its wonderful work. We've got iPhones and computers, medicine, cars, poor people who are richer than rich people used to be. We have those things already, which we wouldn't have had if we'd been socialist all this time. And we can't imagine the things that capitalism is yet to deliver and which it won't deliver if we have socialism now. A cure for Alzheimer's, a brain implant that increases your IQ, that thing in Star Trek that beams you up places. All those things might exist, but they won't exist if they, we take away the freedom and billion dollar incentives that move people to invent them. Although, let me tell you right now, if they do have that beam me up thing, I am not getting on. It's insane. Because in America, capitalism has made us so rich, so happy, that we feel free to destroy it. We've already got the stuff it creates, and we can't imagine the even much more wonderful future it will give us. That's why Trump's crazy CPAC speech over the weekend was sane, and Bernie Sanders and the AOC Democrats are absolutely out of their minds. We'll talk about it more. But first, do you want to look like me? Of course you don't. So that's why there's Hair Club for men. What are you, nuts? Of course not. It's Hair Club for men. You can keep your confidence, keep your hair. They are inviting you to become part of the Hair Club family to see how getting the most out of your hair can change your life. And when you find out, let me know. 
Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions with a legacy of success for over 40 years. A little late, Hair Club, for me, but not for you. Whether you're looking to revitalize the growth of your own hair or to learn more about the latest proven methods for hair replacement or restoration, Hair Club's professionally trained stylists, hair health experts, and consultants will craft a personalized solution to ensure you feel your best and get the most out of your hair. Do not let this happen to you. Get ready to love your hair. If you're a new client, just dial asterisk, asterisk, 004 from your mobile phone, and we'll shoot you a text to schedule your free hair, health, and scalp analysis right from your phone. That's asterisk, asterisk, 004 to set your appointment and get your free hair kit, care kit and $250 credit towards qualifying services. That's a total value, 300 bucks for new clients. Experience your hair and your life at its best only with Hair Club. You will love the club. I guess I'm supposed to say star, star, right? There's star, star, zero, zero, four, but that's, uh, you'll figure it out. Um, also, by the way, I had a, some very slight bad news over the weekend, which was that uh, Another Kingdom, the novel, which was due to come out tomorrow, has been delayed a couple of weeks because of a printer's error. That's bad news for me. That's not really bad news. It doesn't really matter. It's just a couple of weeks. But it means that you have more time to get all that free stuff they're going to give you for pre-ordering the book. So if you go to anotherkingdombook.com, you can still get uh, that free stuff, including a prequel to the book that I wrote that's as long as a, a small novel. So Donald Trump, what is he, like 72? He's over 70 years old. Donald Trump gets off the plane from Vietnam. He's been, you know, screaming at Kim Jong-un. He goes to CPAC, right? And he talks off script for two hours. And of course, the audience loves him and they go crazy. And some of it w was absolutely hilarious. Some of it was hilarious. I want to start, I'm just going to start with a long, a longish clip because it gives the, if you'd missed the speech, it was wild. It was wild. I mean, he was, two hours he went. And obviously, the speech, the written speech must have been like 45 minutes long. And he was just rambling, going from thing to thing in middle of sentences the way he does. And yet, and yet, it was weirdly a great, great speech. So play uh, cut number four. He goes off on this investigation, the Russian collusion thing. I saw a little shifty shift yesterday. <laughs> now, it's the first time he went into a meeting and he said, we're going to look into his finance. I said, where did that come from? He always talked about Russia. Collusion with Russia. The collusion delusion. <laughs> so now we're waiting for a report and we'll find out whether or not and who we're dealing with. We're waiting for a report by people that weren't elected. We had, think of this, we had the greatest election. In all fairness, I used to hear Andrew Jackson. This was now greater than the election of Andrew Jackson. People say that. No, people say it. I'm not saying it. All right? This was the equivalent or greater. You know, they used to go to Ronald Reagan when I first started. This is Ronald Reagan. Then we started really doing well, and they were coming from everywhere to vote. Those red hats and white ones. The key is in the color. The key is what it says. Make America great again. That's what it says. Right? Right? But we had the greatest of all time. Now we have people that lost. And unfortunately, you put the wrong people in a couple of positions and they leave people for a long time that shouldn't be there. And all of a sudden, they're trying to take you out with bullshit, okay? With bullshit. You know, we're bleeping the president of the United States. When I was a kid and I was in radio, worked in radio while I was trying to become a novelist and before I could, you know, just, just do that. 
we, this so long ago, so help me, we had tape, you know, those big reels and you had to cut the tape and you'd cut the tape with a razor. You probably have never even seen a razor blade that's not attached to a piece of plastic. This was just a, a razor blade. And you would sit there and cut the tape and then you'd take out a piece of tape and you'd splice the tape together. You were not allowed to edit the president of the United States. If the president of the United States stuttered, if he said you, you were not allowed to edit the president of the United States. That was, it was not a law. It was just kind of journalistic integrity demanded that the president get to say whatever he wanted to say. We have to bleep this president. <laughs> he actually is cursing on stage, which is just an amazing, amazing thing. And yet, everything he said, you know what he's saying, you understand what he's saying, everything he said is true. Adam Schiff and all the guys in Congress are now investigating all these things. They've opened investigations into obstruction. They're calling for 60 people to come and talk to, you know, talk to them and all these documents they're getting. And, you know, this is a win-win for them. This is a win-win for the Democrats because it's oppo research on the people's dime. Basically, whatever they find out, whatever they can come up with, if they get his tax returns, if they get whatever they get, they're not going to impeach him, I don't think. I don't believe that. I, I, they may be pushed to it, but I don't think they will. But they use that in 2020. They can throw that stuff at him, and they you paid for it. You paid for the oppo research, and that's what it is. And meanwhile, in the meantime, they just accuse him. Adam Schiff, this McCarthyite guy, he's my congressman. He is. He really has behaved shameless, shamefully and shamelessly. He's now just throwing out charges. This is on uh, Face the Nation, CBS. We're also looking at persistent allegations that the Russians have been laundering money through the Trump organization. I don't know that that's true, but if it is, again, it's a profound compromise of this president. Uh, you said you don't know that that's true. Who can answer that question for you? Who do you need to talk to? Well, we'll need to talk to some of the banks uh, that have been doing business with Mr. Trump, like Deutsche Bank, which has had a history of laundering Russian money. Uh, it was a, a bank, one of the very few, if only, that would do business with Mr. Trump after American banks refused. Uh, but we also will want to speak with the, uh, the accountants, the chief financial officers for the Trump organization, uh, and others uh, who would have information about the Moscow Trump Tower deal, uh, about the issue of money laundering. Uh, in fact, we're bringing Felix Sater in to talk mm -hmm. about Moscow Trump Tower uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, so there are any number of witnesses that can shed light on whether America's national security is compromised because the president has been pursuing financial interests with the Russians. This, this is amazing. This is so appalling, so appalling that their justice reporter, I think it was on, still on CBS, uh, Paula, what's her name, Paula Reed, uh, the justice correspondent, actually called him out after he was gone. Nobody said anything to him. I was saying, they never ask him for proof. What, what are you talking about? How can you throw these things around? But finally, I mean, this is this is like Edward R. Murrow taking on McCarthy. Have finally, some reporter has the guts to say that Adam Schiff is doing something that is wrong per se. Here she is, Paul Reed. Also take issue uh, with his claim that he has evidence of collusion. He seems to be conflating contact with collusion. He says what happened at Trump Tower was collusion. He's pointing to emails. Mm -hmm. Nothing was exchanged there. Same with the meeting that Paul Manafort had with Konstantin Kalimnik, exchanging polling data. We know there was contact. We know that. But we don't know what they did with that polling data. So we certainly have evidence of contact, but a criminal conspiracy. So far, there has not been sufficient proof for anyone to be charged in that. And, and not only that, she said uh, when he, she was talking about the money laundering, she said that's a hell of a claim to throw out there. She didn't use that language. But she said that's, that is a wild claim to throw out there without any proof. And Schiff does that every day and nobody calls him out on it. And she finally did. Good for her.
actual journalism on TV. You don't see that very often. Lightstream, you know, I, I know that you do this, I do it, everybody does it. You pay for stuff with credit cards. You pay for stuff with credit cards and it doesn't feel like paying for stuff because you're not taking out your stash of gold and giving it to them. You give them this piece of plastic. Then the credit card bill comes due and you, the credit card debt can be charged at an interest rate of over 18% APR. That is insane. Go to Lightstream, go to Lightstream and refinance your high interest credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream and you can get a rate as low as 6.14% APR with auto pay. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. There are no fees. The rate is fixed on your loan. It never goes up. And when you have good credit, you deserve great service and uh, low interest fixed rate loan from Lightstream. That's lending uncomplicated. And if you want to save even more, my listeners get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Andrew, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Andrew. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Andrew for more information. So the press, that's the other thing about Trump's speech. He was hilarious about the press. I mean, absolutely hilarious. And they're standing right there, which is great. And he had me laughing out loud. I mean, he had me laughing out loud. And because they do this stuff where they report everything breathlessly, every source who says a nasty thing, every source who says, oh, yeah, I heard Donald Trump say this, is in the New York Times right away. They don't check the source. You know, they, they don't have to check the sources. If it's too good, if it's against Donald Trump, it's too good to check. And he went after them for something that has bugged me as well. He went after the press for this thing where he said, he made a joke during the campaign, oh, I wish Russia would find Hillary Clinton's email. Obvious joke, obvious New York type joke, obvious Trump type joke. And they said, that's collusion. It's coll He's colluding right in front of us. And he talks about this. Uh, this was um, uh, number eight. So everybody's having a good time. I'm laughing. We're all having fun. And then that fake CNN and others say, he asked Russia to go get the emails. Horrible. I mean, I saw it like two weeks ago. I'm watching, and they're talking about one of the points. He asked Russia for the emails. These people are sick, and I'm telling you, <laughs> they know the game. They know the game, and they play it dirty, dirtier than anybody's ever played the game. Dirtier than it's ever been played. I mean, th this, this is good stuff. He's absolutely right. You know, they went after Michelle Malkin because she said... She blamed the ghost of John McCain for not being hard enough on immigration. It's like, oh, John, St. John? Saint, you said something mean about St. John? You know, because in the press, the only good Republican is a dead Republican. And so they finally love John McCain, who they loved right until he, uh, in the moment he was running against Obama, and then they slaughtered him. So, you know, the fact that Michelle, Michelle Malkin made a comment, you know, that was perfectly rational about the way he was in politics, perfectly fine. But let, let's just end with uh, Trump, the, the Trump part of this, with uh, his thing on the Green New Deal, which was just another part, had me laughing out loud. Country is in big trouble, folks, because we have to get it back. And when I look at what's happening on the other side, I encourage it. I say, no, no, I, I think the new Green Deal or whatever the hell they call it. <laughs> the Green New Deal, right? Green New Deal. I encourage it. I think, the, I think it's really something that they should promote. 
they should work hard on. It's something our country needs. Desperately, they have to go out and get it. But I'll take the other side of that argument only because I'm mandated to. I'm mandated. But they should stay with that argument. Never change. Never change. No planes. No energy. When the wind stops blowing, that's the end of your electric. Let's hurry up. Darling, <laughs> darling, is the wind blowing today? I'd like to watch television, darling. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's good material. You know this speech. I mean, the speech was, watching it, you thought like, oh, Lord, this guy is out of his mind because he was just all over the place. But when you thought about it, it all made sense. It all hung together. And you knew it was a good speech because of the press reaction. You knew it was a good speech because of the press reaction. We've got to go to CNN at one point. Uh, Trump was talking about restoring our heritage, restoring America, make America great again. <laughs> so much. One thing you can always turn to, to CNN for so much historiizing, okay? Here's CNN Sam Vinograd. She's asked this question. You got to listen to this amazing response. Sam, the idea of preserving heritage taps into historically darker times, certainly. Not only that, though, you say what we heard from the president in, that, in those remarks also could pose a national security concern. Well, Anna, his statement makes me sick. On a personal level, preserving our heritage, reclaiming our heritage, that sounds a lot like a certain leader that killed members of my family and about six million other uh, Jews in the 1940s. But on a national security level, the president talks about preserving our heritage as a catch-all for implementing policies that misallocate resources. He pretends that there are massive flows of illegal immigrants coming over our borders and is spending billions of dollars on a border wall emergency instead of paying attention to real national security threats. He sounds a lot like despotic leaders that have talked about white heritage and white nationalism around the world and is putting resources in the wrong place and pretending that there are foreign people trying to uh, influence our country in a way that just isn't accurate. So, so if you want to restore America f freedoms, you are just like Adolf Hitler who murdered six million Jews. If you say, you know, let's restore American heritage, let's re I mean, really? Really? I mean, that's, that, that, that's an amazing thing. I mean, is that when, when Barack Obama ran on change? Was that like Joseph Stalin because he wanted to change things? It's, it's an amazing, amazing reaction. And, and the question, remember, was restoring our heritage. That goes back to darker times. Like what? What darker times? When like America founded the greatest country on earth? Is that the darker time you're thinking about? Is that like, why? What Did he say anything about race? Did he say anything about, uh, you know, Jews or anything? It's an amazing piece of, uh, of video. I mean, it's amazing that CNN has that woman on and nobody says, you know, that... That girl's crazy. Those two women are talking nuts. Maybe we should take them off the air and get on people who talk about the news and talk about journalism. It's, it's incredible. It is incredible. I mean, it's incredible that Trump is cursing on stage. That, that's kind of incredible, but it's only incredible because he's part of the Times. This is what the Times are like. Everybody's cursing. Everyone's cursing everywhere. Everyone, no one has a clean mouth anymore. That's just part of the Times. What she is saying is literally insane. And that's the thing that gets me. Trump, when he, his demeanor is out there. And there's just no question. You compare him to other presidents we've had, cer certainly recently, certainly since uh, the war, World War II, he's just really different. He's a real character. He's an enormous, weird, wild character. Some of the stuff he says, I don't like. Some of the way he behaves, I don't like. But he's making sense. Now let's take a look at 
the opposition. Let's take a look at Bernie Sanders, who doesn't talk like that, who talks kind of in a normal, especially for a New Yorker, talks in a kind of normal way. He's on Seth, Seth Meyers, I believe. That's Seth Meyers, right, guys? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he's talking to Seth Meyers, and Seth is setting him up. Meyers is setting him up, and the audience is applauding everything he says. So let's listen to Bernie's speech. I never use the word left. Yeah. I don't. I, I am. I'm a democratic socialist, so that's the way it is. But the issues that we talk about, is it left to say that in this country we should have a minimum wage that is a living wage? Is it left to say that everybody should have health care as a right, that we should expand Social Security? Because so many of our people can't make it, elderly people can't make it on twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a year. Is it left to say that we have to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure and create millions and millions of jobs? Is it left to say that we have to address the crisis of climate change? Or that we have to deal with criminal justice reform or immigration reform. We have to deal with sexism, racism, and homophobia. I don't think those are left issues. You know, I think sometimes the media makes a big deal about it. I think, in fact, on all of those issues and more, sensible gun safety legislation. I think you have the strong majority of the American people saying, yeah, I agree with that. You know, it, it's interesting because to some degree, he's probably right. To some degree, if you say to people, you know, should there be a minimum wage? Uh, should we have, you know, free health care? Should we have more Social Security? Something that the Democrats are moving. They didn't run on that, but they're moving to do it because <laughs> for a couple of reasons, because things are so good and people don't know where that goodness comes from. They think that, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants and we think that we're flying. We stand in this wealthy country with all the gizmos we have, all the things we can do, and you can call up the culture of the universe, the culture of the universe with a, with a keyboard. People who were born after a certain time don't know how that happened. It happened because there was freedom and there was incentive and guys sat in their garage and said, hey, you know, maybe we can make a computer. Maybe, you know, they dropped out of college. These guys weren't educated by, pe by people who thought they were experts. These guys made this stuff themselves and became billionaires. And, and now, you know, Bill Gates is one of the great uh, uh, philanthropists in the world. You may not like what he's giving to, but he's given his money away. Who, would, who wants to stop them? You only want to stop them because you can't imagine the future. Socialism is always about stealing the stuff that people made in the past. You notice you ask Ocasio occasional, uh, uh, you ask occasional cortex, Alexandria occasional cortex, how are you going to pay for that? She says, well, how do we pay for wars? How do we pay for that? You know, she doesn't know. She doesn't know where that money comes from. It came from capitalism. It came from people being free enough to create the incredible wealth. Stop capitalism. You stop the wealth. And you don't know the things that are coming. You don't know the fantastic stuff that capitalism has yet to create. There's an entire world that we've never seen before that I may never get to see that capitalism will create that you don't see. So you don't know what you're sacrificing when you say, you know, uh, oh, yeah, let's have free health care. You don't know that you're getting rid of them. That, that is going to get rid of the medicine that might cure your Alzheimer's when you're older. You know, you don't know that that's going to happen. He says, he says the minimum wage... Minimum wage destroys jobs. You know, in Oregon, uh, they just passed a law mandating rent control. Ah, uh, that's going to bring down rent control. Oregon has a problem with the price of uh, property, with the price of rent, because it passed a law limiting the growth of cities. <clears throat> small and, and Oregon is growing. So smaller and smaller cities, cities can't grow because they're protecting the farms. They're protecting the They're always protecting the past. They're protecting the past so they can't grow into the future. So now there aren't enough apartments, so now rent is too high. What do we do? 
We mandate that you can't raise the rent. We have a law that says you can't raise the rent past 7%. So what do the builders do? They say, well, I'll build in Omaha. I'll build somewhere else. Or I'll only build apartments for rich people. That's what essentially in New York, you know, Manhattan has rent control. It has emptied the city. It has emptied the, the island of Manhattan of middle-class people. They're all in the boroughs now. It, Manhattan used to thrive. It used to be one of the very few places, urban spaces in America where people could live, you know? But once you have rent control, at first the government screws it up and then the government says, you know what you need? You know who has to fix this? The government. The government has to fix this. It's like you're inviting a plumber to your house and he floods the house and he says, you know what you need? You need to hire me to fix that. That's that's what it's like. So so Bernie is talking, he's, first of all, he calls himself a Democrat socialist. He's a communist. This is a guy who praised Castro, who praised the Soviet Union, honeymoon in the Soviet Union. You remember that thing? We have a clip about the bread lines. Listen to this. You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. <laughs> Bread lines are a good thing. That's Bernie Sanders' America. That is Bernie Sanders' future. He doesn't know. He's, he thinks, how can I pillage the wealth of the past to give stuff to everybody instead of thinking, let's risk. Let's have the risk and the uh, excitement and the freedom of the future and people have more stuff than you've ever seen before. It's just because he hasn't seen it before. He can't imagine it. He doesn't think it's there. That's Socialism is all about the past. Socialism is all about pillaging the past. You know, it used to be socialism was take over the means of production, right? And then spread the wealth, give the wealth to whoever needs it or wants it. That didn't work because when you take over the means of production, the government ruins everything. They can't run stuff. So the, the companies uh, failed in the Soviet Union. You start At first, it was great. You modernized everything. And then, of course, it all collapsed. But that, now they don't do that anymore. Now they say, let's have free market societies and then we'll just steal all the money. But that does the same thing. It just takes a little bit longer. You know, there was a really interesting exchange on um, uh, ABC, it was, uh, where Matthew Dowd. Do we have this one? Yeah. Um, let me just see. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah, 10. So uh, M- Michael Dowd uh, was saying, you know, oh, uh, the people saying the same thing Bernie was saying, that the people love this stuff. The Democrats represent the people. And Sarah Fagan, who is, I think, an old Bush administration hand, uh, responded. Let's listen to this exchange. The Democratic Party has moved farther to the left, will move farther to the left by the end of this process than the Republican Party moved to the right over the last decade. And the most important important and arguably influential Democrat isn't able to run, uh, Congresswoman you know, Ocasio-Cortez. And she is the intellectual drive now on the Democratic Party. And we see these candidates falling over themselves to adopt her positions. And it's going to be very but it's not costly. where most Democratic voters are. But the, 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 where most voters are, are much closer to where the Democrats are than the Republicans are. Mm-hmm. Most voters support doing, dealing with climate change. Healthcare. Most voters support, don't support the wall at the border. Most voters support increased taxes on the very wealthy. So all of these things, the Democrats are much closer to where the country that, is than the Republicans are. That's true are. in a polling context. It's not true when you lay out this policy. And see, the more you know. That's what she's saying. And she's absolutely right. And that's what, when Bernie says, yeah, they want all this stuff. They want all this stuff. Yeah, they want opioids and, you know, wild sex too. But it's, those are not things that actually help you in the future. You, those are things that you want in the moment. And you think, you know what? Then the future, I'm a dead guy and it's all unpleasant. So you don't do it. You know, socialism is exactly the same way. Of course you want it. It's free stuff. Why wouldn't you want it? It's just that it destroys the future that you haven't yet imagined. You know, the New York Post ran an editorial, their editorial board, basically saying that 
people don't love socialism because they don't know what it is. It says millennials, ignorant of socialism's appalling economic and human rights history, increasingly embrace socialism and its naively unrealistic prescriptions for ending all human want. Yet so are a growing number of veteran Democratic pals who should know better but are clearly terrified by the growing star power of the likes of Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Gallup reports that 57% of Democrats have a positive view of socialism, but do they even have any idea what they're talking about? The same poll shows respondents supporting small business and free enterprise and rejecting the idea that government is doing too little. See, if you ask people, do you want free health care? They say yes, of course. But if you ask them, do you want there to be met new medicines that will cure cancer and that will cure uh, Alzheimer's and all these things? They say yes, too. But you can't have both. You cannot have both because socialism pillages the past and leaves nothing for the future. Capitalism builds the future. They go on to say, uh, today's democratic socialists don't seem to embrace the classic definition of socialism as government controls the means of production. Uh, these socialists insist they don't support repressive states like the Soviet Union or North Korea. Uh, instead, they point to Scandinavian-style socialism in nations like Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden as true socialism. One problem is those countries aren't socialist. As Danish Prime Minister Lars Lokke Rasmussen has said, Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. But those guys are inventing nothing. They invented the paperclip. They live off the stuff that we invent here because we're free. That's what they live off, you know. It's it's just amazing. They are we're creating the future. They're just spending the money uh, that they make, basically. So they have no future. They only have a past. Uh, you know, capitalism requires risk. It requires trust. It requires optimism. Socialism. It plays on fear and desire. That's what it plays on. Michael Knowles, who you may remember from last Monday. Uh, or even something else, will be with us in a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about something really interesting. Uh, stay with us there. And also, I'm going to talk about video games all this week. At the end of the show, I'm going to be talking about my life in video games. Uh, so that's, if you're interested, hang around. We've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come over to dailywire.com. You can stream the show live there, the whole thing, if you subscribe. If you subscribe, lousy 10 bucks a month, 100 bucks for the entire year. If you come for the year, you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which is worth, that's worth 100 bucks in itself. This is made out of pure uh, titanium, I think it is. Yeah, it's like, uh, so, so anyway, come subscribe. You get all kinds of stuff. Uh, Michael Knowles coming up. Knowles. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know. I was up till two in the morning. We we went out for a cigar, yeah. and because our usual place was packed with people watching mixed martial arts who looked like mixed martial arts guys, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know. Not really our scene, you know. <laughs> but I, I didn't get anything to eat, so I had to go home and eat. I was up till like two in the morning. Oh man, that's brutal. I know it was tough. I had to go home and drink more. I had. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. We, yeah, that's some of that. Yeah, that was a good time. It was, was a good great. time. It was really great. Yeah. It was great. And then and then you made me. So you got to go home and and eat. And I had to go home and listen to rap music all weekend. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, here's why I wanted you to listen to rap music. First of all, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's just, just a way of destroying your life. Just a random way of destroying your life. But also, Candace Owens, who... We love, you know, yeah. we, this is one of the first shows she was ever on because I, I saw her on YouTube and I thought, wow, what a babe. And know? as with most things yeah. in my life, when I saw that you had her on, I said, <laughs> oh, I've got to have her on. So I did that right away. And then she became the biggest thing in the she, world. The president uh, talking about her at CPAC. She was at CPAC and she delivered my speech. 
she delivered my culture speech, basically. And I thought, wow, it's hotter when she does it. I don't know, I don't know why that is. But, <laughs> but she said, she asked a question. She said, is it really possible that all these black people admired Donald Trump and suddenly he turned into a racist? Excellent question. Right. So I thought, let's go back and see how they felt about Donald Trump before CNN got to him. Yeah. This was a great question, yeah. and I I read through, I think, every single hip-hop song <laughs> oh that mentions God. Donald Trump. Really? Between, yeah. between 1989 and yeah. 2013, over 200 songs mentioned Donald Trump. Is that right? Over 200. And then, it, then there are many more that come after 2013. Yeah. Now, the way that the mainstream media spin, spin this, the way that Nate Silver, 538, spins this, is they say, well, yes, a lot of songs mentioned Donald Trump, about 19% of them in a negative way, 60% in a positive way, and then a sort of mix. Uh, this is according to 538. That is not true. That is sort of true if you include all of the various mentions he's had since 2015. Okay. But if you look at 1989, all the way up to 2015, just before 2015. So when he basically becomes a candidate. When he becomes a candidate. If you look before his candidacy, there was one negative reference Is to Donald Trump. Is that right? Yes. All of the rest were positive. That's really interesting. It's the yeah. only one. And yeah. this began in 1989. It began with the Beastie Boys, of all people, okay. in the song. I believe it's pronounced Johnny Rial. <laughs> And the line is, Donald Trump and Donald Tramp living in the men's shelter, Wonder Bread bag shoes and singing Helter Skelter. And it, there is obviously this juxtaposition of right. Donald Trump, very successful, and Donald Tramp. Tramp. Okay, it, this okay. is about as clever as it gets. So it's pretty much downhill from there. So in 1989, you got Donald D saying, after that, me and Donald Trump hung out. Fat Boys. You know, I know you're a big Fat, fat boys, boys Oh, yeah, and I have my poster on the wall. Yeah, yeah. obviously, big Fat <laughs> Boys poster. It says, boy, I got money like Donald Trump. 1990, you so got... It's aspirational, right? It's aspirational. Yeah. You, uh, in 1990, you have an... Or I assume this is a French artist called Nice. Uh, or that, or it's nice. Nice. <laughs> and uh, it says, I'm not rich like Donald Trump. Ice Cube, because he's making more than Donald Trump. These are all little references, right. just he has a lot of money. Right. 91, A Tribe Called Quest sings, Beepers going off like Donald Trump gets checks. And Scarface, I, there's a word that I can't use when okay. I, so I'm going to just say ninja. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, it's like, a, like a rap music, you can't even quote the lyrics. I'm just not yeah, so yeah. Scarface says, ninjas rolling hard, stacking paper like Trump. Okay, so you get all these. Then you get a little misogyny in there. Dassey FX the next year says, I went to break a slut like Donald Trump break a million. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you get a sort of uh, political statement. Uh, admiring Trump says, UGK F black Caesar ninjas call me black Trump, as though Trump is greater than Caesar himself. I got it. Plus, okay. there's the Caesar Casino that, yeah, that Trump yeah, yeah. Um, so the only the first negative uh, reference and the only negative reference yeah. before he was a candidate comes from the coup, and it says the coup or the coup. I don't really. I don't know. <laughs> it says break yourself, Trump. It's collection day, and this is in a series of negative comments about rich people right. because it's just a, a class warfare song. Right, right, right. But then the coop comes back and says uh, a nice thing about Trump in a year. It says, Trump, Trump, put more cash in my trunk. My name is Donald Trump. Me think you might have heard about me. So, you know, this is, you know, just, just to stop you for a second. Yeah. Barack Obama the other day. You remember Barack Obama? Was, uh, I can't who, remember. He did something. Guy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember because his legacy is now just it's completely gone. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, oh, Michelle's husband. That's right. Michelle's, Michelle's husband. husband. Uh -huh. <laughs> so he's talking to a bunch of black young men, right? He's inspiring them. And he says to him, you know, if you actually have money, 
you don't have to wear the chains and you don't have to wear the dollar bill chains and all this stuff. We should tell Nick seriously about this. Right? Uh, <laughs> yes, that dollar bill. No, but he says, he says, you know, you don't need that. If you have money in the bank, yeah. you walk tall, right? So he's basically saying, you know, Donald Trump, you know, this is a good aspiration. And he got attacked in the New York Times That's right. for not appreciating the wonderful culture, uh, you know, wonderful cult, black culture. <laughs> I got to tell you something, just on a side note, and then I'll let you get back to this. I've been in Ubers a lot the last few days, and uh, they they play rap music a lot. Right. And my wife gets into an Uber, turn off the music. <laughs> I was like, bang, you know. So I thought, I, you know, I never hear this stuff, so I'll listen to it. If you're a woman and you listen to that stuff, you might as well just slap yourself in the face. You might as well just sit around and, you know, it is so vicious and so mean to women. And every song is like this. And yeah. the stuff they say is disgusting. It's not even, it's not even like, you know, oh, I just want to grab that girl. It's like awful, awful mistreatment. Yeah, you know? there's nothing really seductive about it or even sexy. No. It's just violent violence. And, and it's, uh, and it's the kind of stuff that guys say when they haven't got it. When they haven't, you know, they haven't got the manhood thing going on. Yeah. You, know, you treat women like garbage and that makes you a man. You know, it's like, That's right. Yeah. It also is the sort of thing people say when they don't have a grasp of the English language. That's what, there's a, <laughs> yes, there's, there's that, that too, the violence that against too. language. Yeah, yeah. And, but you're, you're absolutely right. And it, so, so actually most of the Trump references are not, there are a couple little digs at women, you know, yeah. get, get the hose and all, but right. the, most of them are just aspirational. It's that Obama comment, you know, and uh, J.O. Felony says, I want to be like Donald Trump, not Willie Lump Lump. Don't know who Willie Lump Lump is, but he's got less <laughs> that, money than Trump. That's why. That's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> if you knew who he was, you'd want to be like him. Now, yeah, so, yeah. some are talking about Trump properties, even aspiring to participate in Trump's businesses. Cool G Rap says in 98, can't stop until I get a casa up in Trump Plaza. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. It's pretty good. It was almost <laughs> clever. Yeah. And then, so they, they all follow this pattern. So fast forward to 2013. You hear Homeboy Sandman really gets to the heart of the problem, as you would expect that he might. Yeah. Homeboy Sandman <laughs> says... Like, who I turned to. <laughs> yeah. He says, before a Trump, the billionaire punks was a pattern. And the idea is that Donald Trump broke that pattern. He was, he was different. He was a cultural figure. He wasn't a quiet billionaire counting his money okay. behind his desk. Okay. And, which I it's think legit. speaks yeah. to why Donald Trump was... Being in these songs, yeah. you know, he t- he he came out with that board game, Trump the board game. Yeah, said it doesn't matter if you win or lose, but whether you win. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it, even as late as 2013, 2014, all positive. Then 2015 happens. Chino Tovar raps. Donald Trump, king of slavery. Rick Ross, assassinate Trump like a Zimmerman. Ty Dolla Sign, I don't f with Donald Trump. He don't like us. Well, you seem to think differently for the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what changed? 2016, Limbs says this. This is an amazing inversion of all of rap music. My main problem with Trump is how he uses money as distortion. Shows that one man's cash can be everyone's misfortune. Trump is the one distorting cash? Yeah, yeah. What are you, t- I mean, the, the entire history so, of rap music. So what happened? What happened is, yeah. word came from on high. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump was a Republican. They had to react in this totally mindless way, in this totally contradictory way, in this totally hypocritical way, the, the very year it happened. The, the, the only explanation is that Candace Owens is right. Yeah. The only explanation is that there is just this unconscious political Pavlovian response. Yeah. And let's not forget, it's also a broader media strategy. There is also yeah. that you just cannot, no matter if you love the guy, no matter if he's, no matter if it's your own mother, 
who, if she decides to run for office as a Republican, you yeah. have to turn on. You know, it's what's really interesting is that as much as I dislike rap music, and as much as I dislike kind of uh, the boorish handling of money and the desire, you know, the, at least it's it's part of assimilation. It's part of saying, oh, you know, here's a successful American. That's what I want to be. And, right. and even wearing the, the chains and stuff, it's basically identifying with that. When you look at what have got to be the two most, uh, let, let's leave out Black Panther, but two of the most creative, certainly, movies that involved a black hero, Get Out and the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Both of those are about assimilation. They're about becoming part of the society and how you bring yourself, or whether Get Out is a horror movie, so you can't bring yourself, you lose your soul if you assimilate. That's the problem that black people are facing today. That is the, the idea they're facing. And this is, is they're is part of it is the Obama legacy, yeah. bringing back the kind of, oh, America hates you, I'm going to get shot at a gas station thing. And, and part of it is this, like, backwards-looking thing. We're going to have some kind of separatist life. Mm-hmm. You do not want that life. You know? That's you right. You do not want that life. This is a big, beautiful country. We want everybody to be here. We want you to have, we don't care what color you are as long as you're an American, as long as you believe in American things. They're making a big mistake. It's a huge <laughs> yeah. mistake, yeah. and it's... It, the, the choice, the fact that Republicans chose Donald Trump really highlights this. The mm. fact that they chose this guy who was iconic. I, don't, yeah. I hate to yeah. use that word, but no. he was iconic in hip-hop music. And the Republicans embraced him, and then hip-hop had to make a choice. And, and beloved of black people at the time. You know, I mean, he was a, Jesse Jackson liked him. They were giving him oh, awards. Yeah. The NAACP was giving him. What are you talking about on your show? Today we're going to be talking about how Donald Trump is more principled than his critics on the right or the left. Wow. Okay. This, I think there's a lot of evidence from CPAC, from The Bulwark, Bill Crystal's new project. and uh, I'm glad you're talking about The Bulwark. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having David French on later on to explain himself, but I, I'm glad you're talking about The Bulwark. It's, it's embarrassing. Don, hey, Donald Trump is a principled man who uh, surprises abound <laughs> as, as, our, as the years unfold. All right. I got to stop. Uh, good to see you. Talk to you later. Good to see you. Um, you know, I, I want to. Talk, I talked about video games on b- backstage, and a lot of people reacted. And I, I've always wanted to write an article called "My Life in Video Games," but I just never gotten around to it. I'm, so I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it all week. Uh, see if you if you're interested in the story because video games mark my life, and they mean something to me in terms of being a storyteller and how I tell stories and how I've written novels, which is kind of an old fashioned form of storytelling, but one that I still think is a really profound uh, and deep one. I've always loved games. I, I grew up as a little kid. I just loved games and puzzles. And I've noticed now what I've really come to feel that when I do puzzles, my mind goes into the same place it goes when I write prose, which is a very peaceful, very focused state. And I think there must be something in my brain that just reacts to that. And you know how when you're, men will know when you're a little boy before you discover girls, you have all these kind of weird things that uh, occupy your mind. So you'll have conversations with other boys about whether the earth is really a speck of dust on a policeman's shoulder. And then you discover girls and you think, who cares? You know, <laughs> what, what difference does it make as long as there are girls? One of the things I used to think about before I discovered girls was, wouldn't it be cool if you had a board game that you could control yourself? And I would invent this thing in my mind that the, the soldiers, instead of moving the soldiers with your hand, they would move automatically, you would move electronically and all this stuff. I go to college in the 70s, and one day I'm walking into a dorm with a bunch of my pals, and I look over, and there's Pong. And truly, I've said this before, but it is truly like the moment in 2001 when the apes see the Earth Stone, and it's like, bam, 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 bam. Like, I thought, there it is. There's that thing that I was always dreaming about inventing. It's a game that plays itself. And it was Pong, you know? It was just this thing going, bink, 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 bink. But to me, it was magic. I just thought it was the most incredible thing ever. I played it and played it and played it until finally I got bored of it. And, you know, it got, it got too repetitive. And then I forgot about it. 
Then I forgot about it. I had work to do. You know, I had to start a career. It was a tough time in my life. Went forward. A few years later, I'm out of college, and I'm a newspaper man. And as a newspaper man, one of the things we used to do is we would go over and play pinball. And somewhere there exists a, uh, and there was a pinball in the diner around. It's called the Court Diner because it was right next to the courthouse. And there was a Court Diner, me, Adam Nagurney, now a big New York Times guy, uh, and other reporters. We'd go over and play pinball and we'd talk about the politics of the county we were covering and what was going on, the news of the day. There was a big pinball contest where you won a gigantic pink stuffed dog. I won the dog, Nagurney. I swear, the worst grace in the world. Nagurney was would say, "Well, that's because I was had to cover stories down in White Plains. I wasn't there enough. I won that dog somewhere." There's a picture of me, like I, I was a complete mess because as a reporter, I was working like 80 hours a, a day, uh, and this is me with a cigarette and the pink dog that I won playing pinball. One day, I went into the restaurant across the from the court, and they brought in Space Invaders which was like unlike anything I'd ever seen. So I saw, I understood Opong has moved up a step. And you, I don't know if you remember Space Invaders, just the armies of marching aliens and you press a button and you shoot them and the, you move the, the gun back and forth and you press the button, press the button. I played this game so much. It was like rolls of quarters. I get rolls of quarters at the bank and they would go down. If you can picture the roll of quarter getting sh- shorter in slow motion, that's how much I played that game. One day I wake up and there's a lump on my wrist. And I, I thought I was dying. I thought, oh, my God, I've got a lump in my thing. You know, I've got to go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor, and the doctor looks at me and he says, have you been making any repeated <laughs> pressing motions? And I said, yeah, I've been playing this stupid game, Space Invaders. That's how much I was addicted to it. I went home that weekend and was picked up the Sunday paper, and there was a little story saying Space Invaders wrist. Uh, it was a phenomenon. So I was one of the first people to ever get Space Invaders. At that point, at that point, video games fascinated me the way games fascinated me. And it wasn't till later when they started to fascinate me as a means of telling stories. And I'll talk more about that tomorrow when I will be back. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. I'm Michael Knowles, host of The Michael Knowles Show. As fake conservatives send leftists to mock pro-lifers at CPAC, environmentalist congresswoman AOC guzzles gas, and Democrats double down on racial bigotry, one thing is clear. President Trump is more principled than his critics. Check it out at dailywire.com.